And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on. I feel like I don't even need to preach. Was that amazing? Oh, my goodness. I feel like I should just say amen and we're done. Uh, but I won't. <laughs> um, hey, you know, that just demonstrated to me how alive and active God is in this place not just today, not just in the last 20 minutes, all week. God is moving here in this place, in Gaten Church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we come in here and we celebrate it on Sundays. Look, I don't know whether you know this, we had a picnic Praise and prayer in the park last week. It was awesome. It was pouring rain. How good is that? We were all out there. We had a time of prayer that was absolutely life-changing. That's happening at this church. I don't know if you're on Facebook and you're seeing what's happening in this church whether it's our kids' ministry that is absolutely exploding. We're connecting with parents. If you haven't gone on there and see all the stuff that Kim and Hillary are putting on there daily, oh, my goodness, you got to go. I want to do it. My kids, the youngest is 16. 16 on Friday. Woo! Go Monet. Um, but I want to be doing that stuff. It looks really fun. That's happening at our church. Youth group, adult Sunday school, small groups. If you didn't see the pictures of the middle school retreat, dude, I saw this picture with like 40 pizzas on this amazing porch with lights around. And I was like, I want to be in middle school or be a leader again. It's amazing. Can we do all of it? No. And yes. God has given us a great opportunity to connect to what he's doing here at Gaten Church through our sacrifice, through our stewardship, whether it's dropping a check in one of those boxes, got it, Clint, whether going on gaten.church slash give, whether it's our time, whether it's our prayers, you have this amazing opportunity to connect to what God is doing here, and he is busy. Don't miss that. We're going to talk about it in this sermon later. Don't miss that. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll jump into the book of Esther for a second week. Father, we, uh, we've come here today. We're online. We've tuned in because we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you have to say to us. We want you to just push Carl out of the way and speak. Speak clearly, speak loudly, speak in a way that moves, makes, emboldens us, challenges us to be more like your son. To be changed changed in ways to be people 
through which you can change the world. That is our heart cry. That is our prayer this morning. Father, speak, move. We ask that in the name of Jesus. All right, last week, um, I absolutely, if you can't see this online, I apologize. Maybe you guys can see it in here. I really do have to apologize. I was really low energy last week. My sweet friend Diana upstairs said, ooh, you kind of started a little slow. Um, three days of rain on two back surgeries over the last year, and I was really, I looked at the video. I said to my wife, I look like a crippled old man. Guess what? I feel better today. <laughs> and in support of that, they have put these little stripes on the stage. I'll read it to you. On the tape, it says, Carl, stop here. <laughs> There's one over there, too. It says, Carl. So they're trying to ring me in. They're, ah! <laughs> if you can't see it at home, it's awesome. Um, anyway, last week I conferred on all y'all the holy sacred order of biblical historians. You guys now know everything there is to know about Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, how that fits into God's people and where he was moving them and how he was moving them. You guys are prepared for the book of Esther. And last week, we met a man named Mordecai and his beautiful adopted daughter. And when I say beautiful, as it turns out, most beautiful daughter named Hadassah, later to take the name Esther, a Persian name, so she would not be found out and be safe as she was elected queen. We met, ooh, an egomaniacal, just self-aggrandizing king named Xerxes. And we read that he had a big party, got drunk, and said, I want to see my woman. Bring her to me. And she said, that ain't going to happen in the state that you are in. I'm pretty sure if I had done that, my wife would have smacked me straight in the head. So not surprised that she said no. In his anger, she's banished, and he holds the biggest beauty pageant the world has ever seen. And who do you think wins? The most beautiful daughter of Mordecai. Now Esther becomes queen. You guys smell that? Smells like God. Smells like God moving. We then meet a guy named Haman, and we'll talk about him in a minute, but <laughs> smells like God moving. Why? Why do we read the book of Esther? You know what? Only book in the Bible that the name of God is not mentioned once. Not once do we read the name God in the book of Esther. But you know what? I defy you to find a book more 
clearly showing, demonstrating, experiencing the hand of God in a believer's life day after day in moving through his plans and purposes as he sets up, orchestrates, designs, and accomplishes his plans and purposes through the lives of his people. I defy you. That's why we do it. All of this, Paul says in 2 Timothy, is valuable for education, spiritual growth, reproof. It's valuable as we learn about who God is and who we ain't. It's valuable because we see God's faithfulness. It's valuable as we see people walk in that faithfulness. It's valuable as we see God moving in the everyday lives of his people. That's why we read the book of Esther. So as we open it uh, today, last week we talked about for such a time is this. Heard from a couple people. Carl, I, my Bible says for such a time as this. You kept saying, is this? And I said, you aren't listening to the sermon. I'm really hurt, crushed, disappointed. Why do you think I said is? Because I told you last week, God has me, Miranda, Caroline, Clint, in a place today where he wants to use you. For such a time is this that we might be used in the same ways as Esther. That's why I kept saying it that way. Got it? Last week, that was what we were talking about. Guess what we're talking about this week? Hmm. These words that haunted us all week, I'm sure. If I perish, I perish. What? I have to tell you, it just, it's the way God works. Smell it. It's the way God works. So many conversations this week have I been in talking to people about, I don't think God's calling me to die in India. I don't think God's calling me to do that. Oh, I'm really thankful that we don't have to die for Jesus here in the same way. Is that what God's asking from us? And you know what I can say? Maybe. But I can tell you one thing. He's asking you to die today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next Sunday. He's asking you to die. Jesus is the one who said, die to self. Die to you because I got better than what you got. Die to yourself. So that one day, if I ask you to die, you're going to say, if I perish, I perish. Because that's better. That's better. 
So we meet this guy named Haman in the story last week, who is one of the most evil human beings that ever lived. I'm going to cross this one too. Um, and he is the most egomaniacal guy outside of Xerxes. He gets made number two. He demands that everybody bow down to him. And Mordecai says, eh, eh, ain't happening. I worship the living sovereign God of the universe. These knees don't hit the ground for anybody but him. And Haman loses it, just loses it, and orchestrates some deception with the king so that he's going to kill all, not just Mordecai, all the Jews. Hmm. smell that smells like God smells like God we live in a fallen world we're going to talk about that a little bit today we're going to talk about the challenges of walking faithfully with God in this world we're going to talk about how he is orchestrating the situation you find yourself in as you face this fallen world because in this story, we're never told the backstory. We don't know how Esther's parents died. We only know that they did, that she was orphaned. She comes to live with her uncle, Mordecai. This dude, I mean, we're talking a guy who has lived his whole life in captivity, never been to Jerusalem, never been to Judah, never been in the holy temple. He's probably fourth, fifth generation captive in a strange land. And yet he says, these knees, they don't hit the ground for anybody but the holy, sovereign, living God of the universe. Haman, if I perish, I perish, because that's who she's growing up. That's whose house she's in. Parents, I'm here to tell you, we worry about, uh, what's going to happen with our kids? Are they going to stay faithful when they go to college? Are they going to come back to the Lord? Are they going to raise their children as in, in a church home? You know what? Model it. You got to believe Esther heard every day the Shema. You got to believe she prayed with her uncle every day. You got to believe she recognized that he weren't right. He would hopelessly in love with God and that was different as we say in our house I'll get Monet to yell it out Jesus is pretty big in our house I'm just saying model it and then don't worry about it God's got it we see that in this story you know God is really big on this idea of not worshiping anybody but him you know what it says in the ten commandments you know what it says up front in the ten commandments thou shall have no other god than me not a person not a job not even the braves oh. not your television or the new television you want um, not a 401k, not your sports car, none of that. God says, have 
nothing above me. And then there's this call on his people in Deuteronomy that says, not only do I want you to not have anything above me, I want it to be so clear, I want you to walk straight down the middle so that the people to the right, to the people to the left, the right, the left, whichever side you're looking at, know that I am above all things. You see, here's the trick to this. If God is perfect, if God is the most beautiful, if God is love, perfect love, if God is justice, perfect justice, mercy, grace, all of these things rolled into one, there can be nothing better than God, right? God himself is about God because to do otherwise, as I say, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. God sounds a little egomaniacal, but the truth is there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than him. So if you encounter that, you have no choice but to say, that's best. That's best. And so that's where we find ourselves in this story. As Haman rolls the purr, a purr is a lot, and he says, I'm hatching my plan. I'm going to exterminate these Jews, and that Mordecai will be out of my life. And then everybody will bow. So he rolls the dice, the poor. We talked a little bit last week about Purim, which is a Hebrew holiday still celebrated today, which is the redemption of God's people in this time through Esther. The scroll of Esther is read every Purim because God has moved. God has redeemed and saved his people and it happens. And this is a really important moment for us. Because as we enter into this story, we don't see the name of God. You know what? You didn't see God on Tuesday when it happened. What happened? I don't know. But I guarantee you something happened. God stepped in. He redeemed you through something. He saved you from something. He moved you into some new position. He changed your life on Tuesday. Do you know about it? Not today. But one day, you're going to look back and go, oh, man. Remember that Tuesday in October when that happened at work? Remember that Tuesday in October when I met that dude at Wegmans? Remember that Tuesday night in October when we were all gathered at Victoria's house and we had this conversation and it changed our relationship and now we've grown together and we're doing something new and different for God. Yeah, you're going to find out. Isn't that awesome? You have no idea. That's as cool as it gets. And that's what's happening here. Esther has no idea that she became an orphan, moved into the house of her uncle, got adopted by him, was raised up in this family, in this house where God was proclaimed daily, that she learned how to pray, she learned how to worship, she learned to put this stuff into her heart. He made her beautiful. She won the beauty pageant. She became queen. 
Haman sets an evil plan to exterminate her people. She, God moves through her position to come to the moment. Everybody together. Four. Come on, together. You at home, put the phones down. Together. Four. Such a time is this. We have no idea what happened on Tuesday. But we will. And that's how God moves. And I'm going to tell you why that is. Look, let's just cut to the chase, okay? In truth, if this is true, if the holy sovereign God of the universe made a creation, including the earth, including you, all people, all things, if Jesus is real, came as the Son of God to redeem his people, to move powerfully, to destroy death and evil, so that we might live forever, rise from the dead to live eternally with the Father, Son, and Spirit in the new heavens and earth. If that's true, if I perish, I perish. Because that is so stinking good. How could I want anything different than that? That's the truth. That's what this book is about. That's what this life is about. Everybody, seriously, at home, I'm so glad that you joined. But I know what I do when I'm at home, sitting in my recliner, watching it on the big screen. I have my phone. I might be on Amazon. I might be checking scores, looking at the highlights from the Braves. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm on my phone. Put it down! You at home, put that phone down. Ice, here, right now. Come on, look at the big screen. Everybody in here, look at me right now. This is the most important five minutes of your week, I guarantee you. It doesn't matter whether you don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. Are so far away from God today that you think it'll never happen. Or you're in a place where, man, this kind of makes sense, but I'm not change my life, change my friends. I can't do that stuff if I become a Christian. This is like, ah, do I do it? Do I take the leap? I don't know. Or I've been a Christian for one day, two weeks, two years, 40 years. I don't even remember a day I didn't know Jesus. If that's you today, and I'm pretty sure that's everybody, right here. God wants all. Fun fact about Bible translations. Do you know what the translation of all in Greek is? All in Hebrew is? Yeah, you guessed it. All. God wants all people to make that recognition that that is so stinking good. How could you want anything else? Yeah, it looks different. It looks different. If you're way, way, way far over here and you don't even know what I'm talking about, it may be taking the first step today. If you're pretty close and, you know, I'm not sure. Do I take the lead? Oh, man, it looks really scary down there. 
jump. Do it. Your life will be changed forever. That is so stinking good. If you've been a Christian for one day, two weeks, two years, 40 years, can't even remember a time, I guarantee you God moved in your life on Tuesday and he's asking you to take a step today. That's how this works. You see, in this story, I don't know if you remember it, all this stuff happens and Esther says, I'm not so sure. <laughs> um, I changed my name to fly under the radar. I'd love to fly under the radar. I really don't want to get involved. I really don't want my people to die. I certainly don't want you to die, Uncle Mordecai. I don't want myself to die. But I don't know that God's calling me to do something. What can I do? They're her words as you read the book. What can I do? And Mordecai says, how do you know that God didn't move in your life last Tuesday, put you in this position to have the conversation with your neighbor, with a family member, with a stranger in Wegmans, with somebody at work? How do you know that? For such a time as this, and then the power of God moves her to say, if I perish, I perish. And he's calling you today to say, I will die to myself in a new and powerful way. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day. Because if this is true, how much more is he calling you to such a time as this? How much more is he calling you to be ready to perish by perishing daily as you die to self? How much more? I got four great ideas for us to do this and do it effectively. Number one, let's go back to our old friend, the mirror. Many of you were here or you've seen James when I preached it online. God has called us to be observing truth, to walk in truth. Look, 66 books written over 1,500 years by over 40 authors a synthetic story of the work of God, his plans and purposes eternally. It's true. Jesus. You know, all my kids. Hey, how do you know the Bible's true? How do you know Jesus is true? Guess what? If Jesus is true, the Bible is true. If the Bible is true, Jesus is true. That's the truth. The beauty of Jesus? It turns out that we have some you know, writings and gospels and truth of the work and ministry of Jesus, it pales. And when I say pales, we're talking, you know, a New Testament of, you know, a few books talking about the work and, you know, plans and purposes of Jesus. Hundreds, untold hundreds of people who hate Jesus 
who want nothing more than to see us not believe in Jesus, wrote about Jesus' ministry, wrote about his death, resurrection claims, the claims of his apostles in seeing him after death, the encounters on the road to Emmaus, hundreds, untold hundreds of people. Guess what? Jesus was real. If Jesus is real, this be true. Because this is a book about him. About God's plans and purposes for you through him. If that's true, get in the mirror and say, where am I in this? Am I far away? Am I walking with him and it's just a new step today? Get in the mirror and find out. Be truthful. Look, I walked into Costco the other week. True story. You don't walk into the store more than 10 steps, and there is this amazing TV. LG OLED, just 4K, UHD. <laughs> I laid hands on it, 75 inches. The picture was... Clint, I thought, man, I'm going to get this and watch the Braves on it. I said, oh, honey, i got to have this for Christmas, right? And we look at the sticker, and it's $37.99. And she said, how'd you like a dishwasher for Christmas? <laughs> That's how the world works, you know? We get off track. God wants us right here. Deuteronomy, right down the middle. Eyes on him, walking with him, getting in that mirror, figuring out what's the next step for me. How do I move forward in this relationship? How do I move forward understanding and celebrating who that God is? Number one. Number two, you need to be talking to him because if you want to know what that next step is, you probably need to hear from him to do that. We read in the word, as Paul writes, that when we open this book, God speaks. You know, not audibly, because then you'd be on drugs and maybe schizophrenic or something. But God speaks. He talks to us. He shares his plans and purposes. He puts them in the context of your life. As you read Esther, you see your story in there. You see your last Tuesday that you don't even know what happened yet. And you can't wait to find out what happened. And then you hit your knees. You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought, that's crazy. I read in here that God numbered my hairs before I was ever even a blink in my daddy's eye. He knows my every thought, my every heart's desire, my every need, my every fear. He knows all of that. What the heck does he need me to talk to him about? And you know why? Because he wants us to know it. He wants us to be in the conversation with him so that when we get in this mirror, there's no lack of truth. There's no lack of transparency. We know who Carl is. Trust me, I know who Carl is. <clears throat> I'm glad y'all don't. That's what God wants. Because we need to know ourselves so that we can know him. Third, when you do that, when you get in the mirror, get in the word, hit your knees, 
armor up. Put on the armor of God. Can we bring that slide up? Here we go. Be strong. Be mighty. Be prepared. Put on the breastplate. Get the sword. This is battle. There's Haman's out there. Everywhere. You got to armor up and be ready. You're in truth. You're in communication with the general. You're armored up. What do you think is last? Woo! Get your lightsabers, bros. <laughs> We're off to battle. Don't know what it is. I don't know what battle God has planned for you. I don't know where it is. I don't know whether it's the checkout girl at Wegmans. I don't know whether it's somebody, you know, who you're on a Zoom call every day with at work. I don't know whether it's you're called to missions in India or Peru. As our sweet friends, the Martins, head back. Pray for them. It's a battlefield. As we step out there. So as the band comes up now, and we get ready to sing this last song, I want to fix our eyes on a reality. Monet loves it when I say reality. But this is the reality. If that's who God is, perfect, omniscient, merciful, graceful, loving, if that's who God is, and this is true, woo! Smell that? The Holy Spirit is not just active in this room right this minute, He's active in here. I'm ready for battle, I'm walking with God. Woo! I'm fearless. Do you think today you can say, if I perish, I perish? I don't know. I know I'm going to. If I perish, I perish. Because nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Can God take a wild young man who was out of control, working hard on his testimony, radically saved at 20, has these great experiences, grows into it, to be here today to tell you nothing is impossible with God. Not your redemption, not the redemption of the worst people in the world today, certainly not the redemption of 120,000 people living within three miles of this church. Anybody online today, if you're far away from God, nothing is impossible if you're close to God and he wants you to take that next step, to die to self tomorrow, to prepare you to be able to say, if I perish, I perish, nothing is impossible with God.